Um, for those of you who are new here today, I do want you to just make note of the back of our bulletin, too. Um, we have, um, since Easter, been going through and teaching through a book of the Bible called Ephesians. And so um, you'll see a pattern there for June and July and August. We'll round out the book of Ephesians through, through August. Um, I think... Our friends at the Owalendas mentioned something that, you know, how nice it is to be able to have a daily, weekly Bible study, maybe some scripture text that you could go to through the week and, and just kind of keep a pattern in of your growth. And so it's listed there for you, too, if you'd like to follow one in your own private devotions, too. There's also that scripture memory challenge on the back. Um, make note of that. Take some time this summer if you're ambitious and have the time. Put the word of God to your heart. I promise you. You will not regret it. This is how the book of Ephesians should be heard and how it should be read. It is a letter from the Apostle Paul, God's word to you. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens things upon the earth. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also after listening to this message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, And your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you. Because I mentioned you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? This is in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. And he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority. Every named that is named, every power and dominion. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that is now working through the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing greatness of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles of the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you're at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and you were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh this law of commandments contained in ordinances that him him himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death this enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, have our access in one spirit to the Father. 
so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom this whole building is being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if you indeed have heard the stewardship of God's grace, which is given to me for you, that by revelation there is made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which for generations has not been made known to the sons of men, but now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles, which is you in Stuttgart, are fellow heirs and your fellow members of the body of Christ, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through this gospel, of which I, Paul, write, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of grace and to bring to light what is the administration for the ages which has been hidden in God, he created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, that's you, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he brought about in Christ Jesus in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart in my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory and in Christ Jesus through the church to every generation forever and ever. Amen. This is how the letter was read. It's not something we customarily do. But I trust that you heard today that you are chosen. And that you are adopted. That you are redeemed. 
that you are forgiven, that once you were dead, but now you've made alive together in Christ, um, this religious and cultural barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles has been absorbed by one person into a new culture through the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been given a new title. You're citizens and you're saints. You're members of a family that you don't realize yet. And you are loved with a greater love that you cannot even imagine. Deeper, higher, wider, longer. And you're sealed. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. The promise of God's return. He's got you. This leads into the passage that we're learning today, which is Ephesians chapter 4. And you needed to hear the urgency, the context of why Paul says this to you today in Stuttgart. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to walk in a manner of the calling which you have been called. With all humility, with gentleness, and with patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love. And one more thing, to be diligent. To preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In Christ you have a calling. You have been called to the most spectacular, mysterious standing and position that the creator of the universe has given to you. And so Paul's message today is very simple. He says, can you please be humble? Can you learn to be gentle, patient, bearing with one another's burden, and lastly, acting as one? So a little bit of structure to end this sermon. It won't be too long today. Five qualities of what it means to be called in your Christian calling. Humble. Gentle, patient, bearing with another and eager to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. If the Apostle Paul was here today and he spoke to you about humility, he would use this one six-syllable word, he call it, tapainafrasune, which in Paul's mind really means to be lowly in mind. Because that's what humble people do. And that's what humble Christians do. They're lowly in mind because they see others as being high in esteem. Humble people, and I hope this is you, always recognize the worth and the value, the potential in other people. They're always focused genuinely on other people. It's not to say that we as humble people should never concern about ourselves, but it's kind of like, you know, you just kind of forget about yourself because you're so focused on other people, I think that's what it means to be humble. This past week, I was given the um, opportunity, there he is, Zach, you and your family, um, to be at a retirement ceremony of one of the most humble men I know. Zach, you'd never say you're humble, but I know you are. You're very intelligent, 
You spent 20 years in um, some very challenging special operations communities, austere places around the world, but you're a family man, and you're humble. It's great to be with you and Emily, and of course your kids, Max, Johnny, Danny, Trudy, and Lena. But also we had a promotion ceremony for another humble man, right behind you, seated too, Gabe. You and Trisha too, it's just... What I observed is a kindness in you that we don't see often. Zach, you're this way too. But a kindness, a gentleness, a humility about you. You have a wealth of experience in the Gambia. (laughs) And in Africa, in Zimbabwe, I think. But both you gentlemen... Oh, there's... Oh, I showed this. See, Zach's kids are in the picture, but his wife Trisha wasn't, so I got a picture of her kissing. That's, That's important right there, so... But that's who you are. You both love your wives dearly. And you two gentlemen, I don't want this to be about you because it's not, but you live out a calling. And calling isn't always called to an occupation or a ministry or a, or a part of the world. Calling is character as we're living today. And it's been enjoyable to watch your character as you model the living Christ Jesus. A second quality that Paul mentions in the sex today is the quality of gentleness. And I hope you learn to prize the word gentleness. It is the most attractive quality when you see it. You know these words from 1 Peter. Do not let your adorning be external. Braiding of your hair the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing that you wear. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Men, gentlemen, Gentleness is also very quite attractive for you, too. The Apostle Paul, when he was visiting his churches, too, I don't know if Paul was gentle, but I think he wanted to be. He writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Danny and Catherine, I know you know this passage well. We never came to you with flattering speech. We never came with pretense for greed, Paul writes. God is my witness. We never sought our glory from men. Even though we were apostles of Christ, he writes, we never asserted our authority, but we proved to be gentle among you, just as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. We were so fond and affectionate for you that we thought not only to share with you the gospel of God, but our very lives because you've become so dear to us. That's gentleness. And that is our Christian calling, humility and gentleness. A thought for you children here today, all of you children here, I'd like to ask you this question. Do you think it's possible to teach someone gentleness? I think it's possible because my grandmother taught me how to be gentle as a young boy. 
In our home in Arizona, we had cats, and we had dogs, and we had birds, and we even had ducks in our Arizona swimming pool at times. (laughs) But my grandmother taught me to hold kittens and puppies and little birds at a young age. Earliest memories of a little boy, I think you can train gentleness and why they hold things. Because as you know, gentleness is not a weakness. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is strength under control. And if you can teach a child to be gentle, he or she will be gentle with people. Our calling as Christians, too, is a third quality that Paul mentions, and that's the quality of being patient. I would love for someone to be able to go away from church and go, I heard my calling today, today. Called to be humble and gentle. It's my calling. I'm called to be patient. I know there's one man here who's being very patient for his family to arrive from the States. Two of you, at least two of you, probably more were sitting in an hour and a half yesterday on a stow. The quarters, you probably experienced it on your travels too. Everyone here, patience, patience, patience with everything. Patience with military bureaucracy. It's taken me a year to order new hymnals and Bibles, and they're still not in. It's military bureaucracy, patience. But, but, the context of this passage here is not about objects. In situations, we are called to be patient with people. The only way that you can be patient with people, I think, is to do it the way the Lord has it and the way the Lord does it. And I'm really talking about the living Lord Jesus Christ, how he is patient with us. To the degree that you know how patient he is is the degree you'll be patient with others. You know Psalm 103. As a father who shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The Lord knows our frame. He knows we are dust. If you want to be compassionate, you begin to know how weak and easily wounded by words we all are. We're so weak, we know our frame. But there's a verse in Philippians, a couple pages over from Ephesians. You do well to mark for the rest of your life. I honestly say this without any exaggeration. It changed the way I think when I was younger, and I want this for you. Philippians chapter 1-8 simply says this. Paul writes, the same author of Ephesians, He says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. The most beautiful word in that little phrase is the word of. Your compassion, my compassion, St. Paul's compassion is an inch deep. But Jesus' compassion is infinite. The way to become a patient person is to empty ourselves of our ability to be patient and to fill ourselves with the compassion of Christ Jesus. A fourth word and phrase um, 
very connected with our calling is this. To bear with one another in love. That's our fourth part of our calling. To be a man or woman, a child. Who bears with one another in love. It's best shown in a picture, I think. I was born in 1973, so I get the number in his chest. To bear with someone means to support them. It means to carry their weight. It means to endure with them. It means to be a good listener. It means to be a good friend. This is how I want to finish life. And this is a picture for how I want you to finish life. Our calling is to be a burden bearer. Our calling is to be a friend. Friends are multipliers. They divide the burden and they multiply the joy. I heard that this past week and I thought it was really great. Friends are multipliers. They divide the burden. Yes, they do. And they multiply the joy. Because this is what Jesus has done for us. Remember, we're Christians. Our calling is to him and who is character. Isaiah 53, if you remember those words, Jesus himself bore, he bore our iniquity. Jesus bore our grief. Jesus carries our sorrow. So how do we do this? You read it in the text. We bear with one another in love. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love is endurance. So, ever been confused about your calling? You heard it today. Your calling is to be humble. Your calling is to be gentle. Our calling is to carry each other over the finish line. Paul gives one last quality to those who want to walk in Christian... I'll come back in a second. One last quality about walking worthily in our Christian calling. I'll read it to you again from the text. It says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I don't know how to do this. There are two billion Christians, they say, in the world. There's a center called the Center of Study for Global Christianity. It's out of Gordon-Conwell University, a reputable school, and they say there are over 200 different Christian denominations in the United States alone. And 45,000 different Christian ministries in the world. So how do we preserve Christian unity in the bond of peace? Don't worry. Paul tells us in our scripture. He says, keep this as your focus. There's one body. There's one spirit, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God and Father over all who is over all and through all and in all. Sometimes we as Christians, I think, act pretty foolishly. We end up hurting people and we embarrass the reputation of the Lord Jesus, don't you think? Sometimes when we 
put issues out that we think are important, but they might not be important. This slide up here I'd like to show you. I think it will help us on this very noble task that Paul has given us to be eager for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul tells us there are some things, yes, that are very important and worth fighting for. And please do fight for them. There is one body. And there's one Father. There's one baptism, which means there's, there's one initiation to the Christian faith, which is the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some things that are interpreted, and we don't quite understand them well. How to baptize Maybe the age of the earth. How to govern our churches? Do we the Presbyterian mode? Do we a low church model? Do we, is it congregational? Those are things that maybe are interpreted. Some things are cultural, and some things are very just personal preference. And it's so sad sometimes when we get so angry over things that are just a personal preference. So how do we build unity among two billion Christians? This is my encouragement to you. Be firm on the things that are very clear in Scripture. But be flexible on the things that aren't. Last picture here. I'll leave you with this. This is a picture that we took last year at Garmish. Labor Day weekend. A multi-chapel retreat. Chapel at Robinson. The chapel here at Patch. The one over at Contemporary Service. There was over at Panzer and the Gospel Service too. Building Christian unity in the bond of peace, it can be done. Paul said he did it while he was a prisoner of the Lord, right? So he did it in the context of where he found himself. So do it here. Do whatever you live, do whatever you work. If God is putting you in a hard position like being a prisoner, do it as a prisoner. Do it wherever you can. But Christian unity, I'm concerned, is not so much the adult. And for every young child in here who is learning our example from adults. In one month from now, we're going to have this chapel full with about 100 kids. It's called Vacation Bible School. What an opportunity to show them you're calling. I need your help. I can't run this program. Jeff Nevin and I alone, we can't do it. Jody and a few others. No, we need you. We need you to live out your calling, which means come here being humble and be gentle. Impress children with your gentleness. Patience. Bearing with one another in the burdens that we carry. Being diligent, eager, leaning in, showing initiative for the bond of peace. So, before we conclude today, would you please join me in a heartfelt prayer? God, we don't rush this moment because we need your Holy Spirit's help to confirm this calling that we heard today from your word. I ask for your Holy Spirit's help to strengthen the convictions 
that we heard in the first three chapters of Ephesians today, but more so the calling that you beg us to be a part of. So Jesus, give everyone here in our Patch Chapel family a strong measure of your Holy Spirit to live out their calling. Thank you for this beautiful day, a Sunday, where 2,000 years later we remember the living Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. I witnessed that we celebrate today always on a Sunday. Thank you for our visitors. Thank you for the McWhorters driving in here. Thank you for the Perez family. Thank you for our new, volunteer, our new, uh, our new visitors here. Thank you for everyone who's new into Stuttgart. And thank you for the calling you've given us as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.